Funding for the Hinckley Report and this podcast is made possible in part by the Cleone Peterson Eccles Endowment Fund and AARP Utah. Thank you for listening to the Hinckley Report, your weekly political roundup. Additional support comes from State Street, produced by KUER. Hosts Sean Higgins and Sage Miller take a fresh look at politics the Utah way. Get episodes wherever you listen to podcasts or at statestreetpod.org. Good evening and welcome to the Hinckley Report. I'm Jason Perry, director of the Hinckley Institute of Politics. Covering the week, we have Senator Jen Plum, Democrat from Salt Lake City. Daniel Woodruff, reporter with KUTV2 News. And Senator Mike McKell, Republican from Utah County. I'm so glad we get to chat this evening. We have one le week left of the legislative session. A lot is happening, but even as this air, this show is airing this evening, uh, we'll be getting uh, a, a preview of the budget where things are going to fall down. Senator McKell, let's start with you a little bit about kind of the themes we're going to see as the legislature decides what the top funding priorities are. I, I think it's a great question, and thank you for having me on today, Jason. I, I think you'll see you'll see a historic movement towards some tax cuts. I think that's important to the Republican caucus, and it feels like there's really good support for that. We want to tackle water. We're, we're all concerned about what's happening with the Great Salt Lake. And then you're, you're going to see some historic funding for education. We're, we're concerned about our teachers. We're losing great, great teachers, and you're going to see some historic funding. We're really proud of what we've been able to do. We've, we've got large surpluses, and we're really trying to take those surpluses and, and take them and direct them into something that's really beneficial long term. Yeah, Senator Plum, how is this happening? Of course, we have about $2 billion of money to appropriate uh, one time and ongoing, uh, but about $3.2 billion worth of asks. The numbers are pretty astounding, aren't they? I mean, I'll tell you, as a, as a freshman senator, that is one of the things that has been most kind of eye-popping to me is, wow, this is big dollars. It, it, I will tell you, there is a, a really concerted effort to be thoughtful, to be making sure that those areas where we can put some additional impact in, I think in addition to what Senator McKell mentioned, infrastructure, housing, looking at some of the crises surrounding being unsheltered and homelessness, they're being very wise. We are being very wise in the way that we look at it, but also kind of mindful of the fact that the economy folks are, are anxious about what's up next. It, it's great to be in a surplus. It's awful to be in a deficit and have to take funding away. So there's there's going to be, I think, a lot of thought put into what we fund and what we hang on to. Daniel, talk about what's going to happen going forward, because this last week, the legislature and the executive branch got together. They come up with a consensus revenue forecast number for the coming year, which gives us a little preview of what's happening right now, but what's to come. They've identified about $400 million of, of ongoing money next year, about $800 million of one-time money for next year. But there's some caution in the words that they're using now looking forward to the next year. Yeah, I think when the new revenue projections came out earlier this week, uh, they were waiting with kind of bated breath, what is it going to look like? Ultimately, it came out what they're calling flat. So the numbers that they got in November are basically the same as the numbers they just received. But that alone, I think, has caused caution on the part of leadership. In fact, I talked to Senator Jerry Stevenson a few weeks ago 
ago, he was telling me about some of the asks he'd gotten. For example, Leighton wanted a reflecting pool. For-profit companies were asking for money for some of their things. Yeah. And so uh, there was a lot of money that he was getting hit up for. But the minute those new numbers came out, he said, we are going to need to tighten our belts. And so I think there's a recognition that while we do have a surplus in the state, it's not potentially the amount that some thought there might be. Mm -hmm. And it may not be prudent in their eyes to go out and spend as much yeah. as we possibly can. Right. Sarah McKell, uh, this has happened the last couple of years is we get to that revenue time and it's like, surprise, we've got right. more. Right. Not the case. How is that impacting how you all are looking at the budget? I, I think Daniel hit it right on. I, I think le legislative leadership, especially the, the executive appropriations chairs, they got out in front of it. And so I'm the Beatles chair. So I, I get some of Explain some what of that the, means. So business and economic development, it, it's the committee where I, I, it, it, some of the nonsense comes to my committee. I'll just be really honest. Some, the reflecting pond, for example, that comes to my committee. And what we really tried to do is look at every single request and make sure that every single request had statewide impact. Is it something that would benefit the state? Is it something that is going to cause an ongoing liability for the state? And if it didn't, if it was a sheerly local request, we just eliminated it from our list. Okay. Uh, one of the things that it, when we're looking at surpluses is right. what we're going to do on tax reform. So, Senator Plum, a uh, lot of conversations right now. Where do we see this going? Let's talk about what's happening with the Democrats, the approach to tax reform, and then we'll see what's happening in terms of the bills. Well, and I think one of the interesting things for me to watch is some of these concepts that, for example, Representative Lesser has been talking about taking out the tax on food yeah. for a couple of years now, and that really got traction this year. And it looks like there's actually a bill coming out of the House now that would do that, would require a constitutional amendment as well. But I think in general, you know, from what I'm hearing within our caucuses is we would really like to make sure that the things that need to be funded and need to be taken care of are handled. Education, making sure that our families are still going to be able to stay afloat. The cost of living is not getting any better. The cost of housing, the cost of pretty much existing. And so, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing how we can take those pieces. And to me, it doesn't matter which party gets credit for it, right? It's that it actually happens. But I, I love to see some of these ideas getting more mm -hmm. kind of legs. Uh, Senator Plum, uh, to you, Senator, Senator McKell, uh, talked about this food tax. Uh, what, removing that, so that has some traction. Looks like yep. you know, it's, it's going to come to you all in the Senate. Talk about what kind of tie that might have to the constitutional earmark for education, because the two seem to be connected. Yeah, they do seem to, they, they are connected. So th there is an earmark, as, as your viewers probably understand, our income tax funds education, both higher ed, public ed, and some social services. And, and, and that's a difficulty, because sometimes our income tax is really, really high, and it ties our hands with, it takes away some of that flexibility. So we are going to look at the, the food sales tax, and, and, and we probably will tie those together. That's something that we'll, we'll put that out on the ballot. It would take a constitutional amendment. It would take the voters to do that. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in doing that. What we, what we don't want to do is create a situation where we don't have stability in our budget. We are a very, very well-managed state. We take our credit rating very serious, and we really want to make sure we have stability moving forward. Mm -hmm. Daniel, what are you hearing as you're talking to people and talking to legislators on the Hill about the these two issues to coming together? Well, we're hearing now that the earmark may stay, but it may be revised. So it would still require voter mm -hmm. approval, but it would basically say, and this is as of yesterday, that the discussion is education will be funded and it will factor in inflation, it will factor in growth, but after that, then 
other needs in the state can be funded. And I should also note children and disabilities are funded right. with that. Which we've too. already had a vote on for Correct. those particular but, but the point is, they're working, uh, lawmakers and education groups have been talking for a while. As of yet, no agreement, but there is that discussion about possibly keeping the earmark on, just changing it so that there, as Senator McKell said, is a little more flexibility in terms of funding both education, mm -hmm. public and higher ed, as well as these other needs. And getting rid of the food tax would cost $200 million. That has to come from somewhere. Mm -hmm. right. uh, Senator McKell, uh, this is, uh, Senator Dan McKay's bill on the yeah. constitutional amendment. Uh, how is that sit sitting right now? Likely to go forward, your colleagues? I think it is. My, my impression is there's good support to see that. And it, I, I like the idea of doing that in involving the voters on that issue. I think we do need a little bit of flexibility, especially, you know, as Daniel mentioned, if we pull out $200 million from, from the sales tax on food, we do need to make up for it somewhere else. And I, and I, think, it, I think it's helpful, and I, I think it's got some good support. Okay. Uh, fr from your side of the aisle, talk about what your conversations here. Well, you know, the most interesting thing to me is kind of, the, and this is a newbie, right? The going into the EAC process, the seeing where it's all going to come out, how do you best advocate for those that don't have the voice. So again, for mm -hmm. me, that's the kids, that's the families, that's the people right on the fringes. And again, I I'm hearing a, a lot of openness to this concept too, that flexibility, mm -hmm. because there are other needs. Education, we absolutely have to make sure uh, that it's funded. And we're, I, from what I'm hearing, going to fund it with higher numbers than we've ever done before. Um, but that we, having some flexibility, as long as we've guaranteed that space for education to be covered, is a good idea, is what I'm hearing. Mm -hmm. I want to get into some specific bills, but maybe as we get ready to do that, Daniel, uh, seems like we might have a lot more of them this year <laughs> than we've seen in the past. You, you've been doing some reporting on this. What does that look like? Yeah, well, and it changes by the minute, really. So the latest numbers we got, we there had been nearly 1,400 bill requests between the House and the Senate, and of those, nearly 900 of them had been drafted. There was some discussion about whether that was a record number, but I think the consensus generally among the senators I talked was that's a record number. There's a lot of bills. Yeah, there are. This is the big, biggest number I've seen. Too many. Too many. <laughs> Those drafters, ooh, they've been busy. They have indeed. Yeah. Uh, the Office of Legislative Research and General Counsel spending a lot of time getting these bills ready. Do you mind if we talk about a couple of these bills and then yeah, some exactly. of the things that you see coming? I, I want to start with one that's interesting because it has bipartisan support and a little bit unique for the state of Utah. Uh, Senator Plum, let's talk with you. This, uh, this bill, it's uh, Representative Michael Peterson from Logan, Unprofessional Conduct Amendments, House Bill 228. It's about conversion therapy. Mm -hmm. Talk about that particular bill, what it does, and let's see why this is a bipartisan approach to Well, I think when this, this bill came out, uh, and when we first started hearing about it, there was a lot of anxiety, especially in communities, because this dealt with uh, conversion therapy. And this dealt with... Which means... Maybe. Which means... Oh, yeah. So, for example, um, the concept that someone's sexuality, uh, LGBTQIA uh, populations in particular, that things that have been reported to happen in the past to convert someone away from their you know, true identity, their authentic selves, that there's no bearing in science, that there's no basis for that this is right, that this is effective, that this is even okay. There had been efforts in the past to go ahead and say, this isn't all right in Utah. We thought that was kind of handled, and then the topic came back up again, which I'll tell you honestly, really made a whole lot of folks anxious about, oh, we're going here again. Is this gonna be possibly mm -hmm. happening? So the bill came as it passed through, 
and I think in really kind of a credit to the way things can go well, all sorts of groups got together and weighed in and had expressed their concerns. And from the far this side to the far this side came together to decide that we really needed to codify that there is a conversion therapy ban. Now, is it perfect? No, of course, there is no such thing as perfect. And I think, you know, we all want agreement and protections in place. But I also really think it's important to acknowledge, for me, the most important thing about this is the law's done. Folks who live particularly in these mm -hmm. spaces don't have to keep worrying, we're going to keep coming back uh -huh. to it. It's done. And for me, I like that. Senator McHale, one of, Utah's now one of 20 states yeah. to ban conversion therapy. Yeah, well, and I'd say I'm proud, I'm proud of the work we've done there. Yeah, to see the Eagle Forum to the far right, far right and Equality Utah, the far left, come together. Um, I'll just say this, conversion therapy is insane. A lot of it is insane. I think we all get that. and and. Seeing both sides work together in, in our state and with with compassion and in, in an appropriate way, I'm I'm really proud of what we've done there. I know 20 states have banned it. There's a lot of other states that just don't they just don't use it, and we we, we certainly don't want to be in the minority of states that allow that to continue. And I'm really proud that both sides got together and and came up with a really good resolution. Mm -hmm. uh, another issue that seems to have bipartisan support, Daniel, let's talk about the Great Salt Lake. Everyone's talking about this. I want to talk about a couple bills okay. that are out that are going forward to help the Great Salt Lake. One of those, which is interesting, uh, uh, this is Mike Schultz, uh, Republican from, from Hooper, uh, amendments related to the Great Salt Lake, creating a Great Salt Lake commissioner with a charge to bring parties together for the benefit of the Great Salt Lake. And to create a strategic plan. And Representative Schultz, who's the House Majority Leader, so it brings the weight of the office there, has said that there are a number of state agencies in the past that have not communicated well about the lake. He gave one example about how one agency did something that directly contradicted the other, another agency on the lake. And mm -hmm. he said, there needs to be essentially a single point that says, here is what we are going to do for the lake. Let's make sure everybody is on the same page. I asked him, will this get water to the lake? He believed it will, once that communication is better. And then concurrently, there's another bill from Representative Owens that actually would mandate that conserved mm -hmm. water go to the lake. So I think you see uh, Republican Democratic proposals kind of coming together in an effort to both streamline communication and work on the lake that has not been there in the past as well as practically let's moving, move some of this water mm -hmm. from up in the mountains down into the Great Salt Lake. Mm -hmm. This bill, Representative Owens, it, it talks about when you can water, no watering lawns from October 1st to May 1st. That's part of this bill here, just trying to get to the usage of the water as well. And this certainly does be, seem like a bipartisan issue. It does, and I think that it brings that kind of attention of, and, and there was a candidate who ran in, in the last session that would say water, 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 everything that we talked about, we should have a water eye on it. And, mm -hmm. and I think that that's that's kind mm -hmm. of what's coming together here. What, whatever bill you're doing, well, what's the water implication? Well, what's what? How can we insert something that may improve our water situation? And I think that's wise. Mm -hmm. yeah. Let's talk about education for a moment, uh, Senator McKell. Uh, yeah. Full day kindergarten, mm -hmm. something that we've talked about at the state. It didn't have traction for a long time. It started last session, but really got some attention this session. Well, and I'm excited about it. And, and last session, to your point, we, we kind of passed it. There was a, you know, I think 48 million dollar funding note, mm -hmm. and that got knocked down to 12 million dollars. I'm excited for it. I, I support it. I think the science and the data is really clear. The sooner we get these kids started, the better. And I think we've been proactive. And, and I, think it, I think it just goes to show if you've got a good idea, sometimes it takes a few years. You've, you've followed, you've all followed the legislature for a long time. A lot of these big
big issues take a few years to develop. It feels like we're at the tail end of this issue. It feels like we're finally we're finally getting this one across the finish line. Really appreciate those who have worked on it. Senator Milner on on Capitol Hill is an absolute champion and has fought fought that issue for years. And I'm really proud of what where that's going. Okay. Go ahead, Senator Paul. Go ahead, get a comment. Oh, I just, as a pediatrician and as a mom and as someone who really thinks a lot about our kids, I, I'm really happy to see that. Yeah. Like you said, coming to the tail end of that, that it really feels like the will is there. Now we just have yeah. to figure out the, the nuts and bolts and the dollars. Yep. I want to talk about another issue here. Uh, it's one of your bills, Senator McKell. And then, Daniel, I want to talk about it from the media perspective as well. Social media. Right. All right. You've got a bill on this. You've talked about it a lot. What is the, what is the goal right now with our legislature when it comes to social media and our children? Uh, let me just start by just saying this, social media is bad and it harms our kids in a really, really bad way. CDC re released a report just, just this last week. They surveyed 17,000 students, ninth through 12th grades, and some of the data was absolutely startling. More than 50% of those girls felt, felt a sustained loneliness for long periods of time. And even more frightening than that, 30% of our girls in that, in that survey had, had seriously considered suicide. So we're trying to get out in front of it. There's a lot of, a lot of research that ties that back to social media. So I've, I've got a bill that's going to engage parents in a really powerful way. I want parents involved. I want some parent control tools. I want parents to be involved in the process. But let me just tell you two other things that I think are really important. Number, number one, I don't want social media companies collecting data on our kids. And that includes not collecting data and not advertising to our kids. And number two, our messaging services. Old, old men reaching out to young girls, that is a serious, serious problem. And that, that is banned under, under the, we, we banned some of that type of messaging in the bill. Uh, there is great bipartisan support. Um, in fact, I would say Senator Plum um, had some really powerful comments that I appreciated on the Senate floor in, in regards to mental health and social media. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, as, as Senator McKell was presenting the bill, and, and I shared that uh, I work in the pediatric emergency department with kiddos in sometimes their very worst times. And I can tell you over my 20 years, I've never seen a time like this where there are, you know, we can have an, an ER with 12 different kiddos in there experiencing medical crises, which or we call the space where they're coming in needing psychological or help. And, and one of the most challenging things for me to kind of embrace was we want to make sure they're safe. We want to make sure they don't have anything they can harm themselves with. Mm -hmm. We get them down into the gown, et cetera, to take care of them. And one, consistently, one of the most challenging pieces is how upset they are when we say you can't have your phone. Yeah. And, and then to me, there, there's a big link there. Like there is this connection that we've got to find some way to get in between because it's it's not good for our kiddos. Mm -hmm. It's not good for us as adults even. I mean, no, I think really. we can all find ourselves <laughs> in those exactly. rabbit holes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And, and Daniel, you're in that sort of that intersection there as well uh, with the social media and media itself. Yeah, and, and just hearing from a lot of people, I think the striking thing about this issue is just how many opinions there are on it. I've heard a lot of the opinions that have been shared by uh, both senators here about the harms of social media. I've also heard from a lot of people, and we hear it in committee, about don't get in the way of parents and let us do make our own decisions. We've heard from people saying don't impose any further requirements about me giving any data to social media companies so that they can verify ages or verify identities. So I just think it's been interesting to hear the discussion on this. There are a lot of uh, very loud opinions and I think also overarching that uh, the, the governor has used his bully pulpit a lot on this too, mm -hmm. announcing that the state is planning to sue social media companies in some respect. We don't know yet how and who, but this has been an issue that has really dominated the mm -hmm. session but I would argue uh, or say that there have been a lot of arguments uh, on many sides of this. 
Yeah, also on the federal side, we have some members of Congress are looking at this, including our own Congressman Chris Stewart. He's proposed a ban, 16 and under. He has. On the federal uh, level. How are you engaging with the federal, on the federal level? I mean, is that where, should it happen at the state level? Is that your experience, or are we just waiting so, on the federal government? This is what I'd say. It absolutely, it should happen at the federal level. And, and I'm glad you brought up Congressman Stewart. You've got Senator Hawley. You, you had President Biden. It's a bipartisan issue. President Biden, in his State of the Union address, called out social media companies. But absolutely, it should happen on a federal level. Oftentimes, they're slow to, slow to react. For me, having states move forward is going to put pressure on Congress, and I think that's helpful ultimately. Okay. Uh, may, may I ask, what are we going to see this week? All right, we've got one week of legislative session. Maybe a lot of tired people. Chaos. <laughs> Chaos, tired. Yeah, it's going Wide to be, eyes. I'll be all of that. Some, some bills or themes just that you may see coming in this last week. Senator Plum? Oh, my. You know, my honestly, my biggest fear, and I've tried so hard to keep up with what's coming through, read the bills, know what's there. I just don't want to miss anything. Yeah. And so I don't know, I, Senator McKellen, I'll There's be looking to him for advice like I don't want to miss anything yeah. that oh my gosh I just that bill was that um, I don't know that I feel that there's any particular theme I think there's still some really important yeah. pieces of legislation that need to get across the finish line maybe need the little fi the final polishing points that's what I'm going to be watching for is that those good bills make it across and hopefully that some chaos introducing bills don't take the wind out yeah. of the sails of those important bills mm -hmm. it's interesting Daniel uh, some of the legislators and you can all comment on this too thought we get some of the more controversial things done at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And we certainly did have some of those at the beginning. Uh, any of those you see coming in this last week that have a potential? Uh, potential, I mean, we've, we're seeing some election bills uh, yeah. that, are, that are somewhat controversial. We're also seeing uh, some that are being introduced that may or may not get hearings. For example, one was released that is very similar to Florida's what critics have called the don't say gay bill it's yeah. it's the one that requires that certain discussions not take place in grade school that got a lot of na nationwide attention when florida passed that that was just dropped within the last day uh unclear whether that moves but we are seeing some of those bills that get a lot of attention and, and maybe mm -hmm. they move maybe they don't uh i also think next week we're going to see a lot of work still on the food tax as well as that big question of how do we spend this extra money yeah. that the state has how is how are lawmakers going to spend your extra tax dollars mm -hmm. Uh, Senator McHale. Well, I, I've been up there 11 years now, and, and I just compliment both the House and the Senate. I think a lot of the big rocks got taken care of early. You, you mentioned some of the controversial issues were taken care of earlier in the session. I think that's true. I think we're, we're going to tidy up our budget as we move forward this last week. I think the tax issue, as Daniel mentioned, I think that is going to be a big issue. But I am hopeful, this is me being optimistic, that this last week is smooth smooth sailing. I'm hoping we're not there till midnight every, every night, and I'm, I'm an optimistic person, so I, I think I think we've tackled most of the big issues already. Okay, can we talk about civility for just a moment? This very interesting thing happening on the national stage. Of course, all three of you are good examples of civility, but it's interesting. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene had an interesting comment this week. Of course, she's from Georgia, where she said we need a national divorce. Is how mm -hmm. she said this to separate the red states and the blue states and shrink the federal government. She said everyone she talks to says this. And Senator Mitt Romney had a comment very quickly about this that. Uh, we, that we got caught on tape here. And Daniel, you were there. So a little comment about this and see what's happening nationally and what we're gonna do locally about it. Here's the clip. You know, I think Abraham Lincoln dealt with that kind of uh, insanity. Uh, we're not going to divide the country. It's uh, united we stand, divided we fall. Uh, and, and look, there's no question, but there are some people in my party and in the other party that say things to try and get a headline and, and get people to send them money. And that happens to uh, lead in today's uh, loony left. I should say loony right. Wow, Daniel. 
he didn't mince words, but on this issue, he really doesn't. And that's what we've seen, is that he's not afraid to call out his own party on this issue. And uh, others in the Republican Party have done the same. Spencer Cox, Governor Spencer Cox, also had pretty harsh words for mm -hmm. Representative Green. Yeah, Senator McCallum, the governor got involved, right. members of Congress, even our own legislative leadership about this. Talk about this and why we're seeing these kind of comments nationally. I, look, I, I'm going to say, and this is, I, I hate saying this when we're talking about civility, she's totally nuts. And Mitt Romney said it best. You go, go look at her on social media. You, you drop these comments that are totally insane. Your Twitter following, your Twitter handle goes up. And it, it's really, really tragic and disappointing to me that we, we, we drop these, these comments out in the, out in the media to, to have a, a bigger following. Um, thankfully, that's not the Utah way. That's not the way we do business here. That's not, we, we, we do a little bit of that on Capitol Hill, but not like they do in D.C. I'm really proud of how well we work together. I mean, I'm, I'm here with my freshman colleague, Dr. Dr. Plum, Senator Plum. We've got a great working relationship, and, th and that's what we see in, in the state of Utah. But, I mean, she's not, I think we all, we all realize that, and I, I hope the Republican Party, you know, if, if there is a divorce, I hope we divorce ourselves from people in our party who are just, who are just crazy, right, and nuts and loony, whatever Mitt Romney, <laughs> however he labeled it. Uh -huh. In our last 30 seconds about this one. I mean, there really is no place for contempt. We, having contempt for one another because we view the world through different lenses does nothing. And I think we can agree to disagree. We can also say, hey, there's some points from this side that help me be wiser, smarter, better. Hopefully I have some points that can help as well. Uh -huh. I don't want to live in a state that's an entirely blue state. I hope nobody wants to live in a state that's an entirely red state. Uh -huh. we're, we're good together. Let's, let's, let's embrace that. Uh -huh. It's an interesting word that Senator Plum used when she talked about contempt. So we'll follow that one closely uh, going forward because, of course, we're looking for a little more civility in yeah. all of our dialogue. Thank you yeah. very much for your comments tonight. Thank you for listening to The Hinkley Report. If you enjoy this podcast and want to help more people find out about it, please rate it and leave us a positive review.